things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, um, this is a podcast for imperfect people, and uh, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. What's up, guys? Welcome to uh, Season 6, Episode 6 of I Crying Corners. We are currently learning how to thrive in Babylon, and I am currently working through my COVID-19. So uh, in case you didn't know this already, I got the COVIDs, so that's been real fun and weird. Um, My husband's got it, and then he gave it to me. And so I am on the mend. This is the first day that I've put on pants in 14 days, and my eyebrows. So I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Uh, I shot the first five episodes of (laughs) I Grand Corners about a month and a half ago, and then I got the COVIDs. And so that's been really horrible. But anyways, uh, thankfully I'm on the mend. Thank you for everyone who's been praying and sending messages. By the time you get this, I'll have been several weeks away from the COVIDs. Um, But I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has reached out and prayed for me um, because my husband and I are totally on the mend and God is definitely moving. But the irony is kind of that I'm doing an episode today on victory, thriving in Babylon. When I started talking about thriving in Babylon, never in a million years did I think, one, I was going to get the covid and um, I just, it sounds better if you call it the COVID. It just feels fun. And um, secondly, that I'd be uh, the first message that I'd be teaching after this whole situation is on victory. Because uh, to me, victory is not something, uh, how do I say this? Victory, I don't look at victory like winning. I look at victory as um, a state of mind. And so uh, I don't function from a place Uh, uh, I don't look for victory. I live from a place of victory. And so we find Daniel in uh, this episode, in this chapter, chapter six, uh, functioning from a place of victory. Um, Everything in his life is from a place of victory. And so my hope is, I'm going to say victory a lot in this in this, in this episode, I already know it. It's going to happen. It's annoying even to me, but anyways, uh, my hope is that at the end of this, at the end of this episode, that you will feel encouraged. My hope is at the end of this episode, uh, so far as we've hit mid-season, technically this is our mid-season episode, um, that so far what you've learned is that all the things that we've gone through in the first five episodes have led us here, have led us to a place of victory. And so I think everyone looks at the life of Daniel and they want the lion's den victories, which is where we're at, chapter six. This is the lion's den. This is what he's famous for. This is this is the big one, okay? And so everybody wants lion's den's victories, but he had to go through a lot in the first five chapters to even get to this lion's den, and on top of getting to this lion's den, what led him to the lion's den was not cute, was not fun, was not good. Um, pretty much what led him to the lion's den uh, was uh, haters. Uh, haters are not a thing. There's a whole, inst- I have a whole podcast on it, but pretty much people that didn't like him, people that were not happy that he was getting promoted, people that were unhappy with his success, um, talked smack about him to the king. 
Um, we find Daniel in six, literally it says, um, he had exceptional abilities and it wasn't long, uh, before, uh, it wasn't long before he distinguished himself over all the other governors and the king decided to appoint him, uh, head over the entire realm. This appointment did not sit well with other leaders. So the governors and officers tried to find reason to level charges against Daniel for the way he supervised the kingdom. And though they tried, they could find no basis for charges or any corruption in his office as Daniel was loyal and attentive to his duties. The thing that I love so much about Daniel is he functioned from a place of victory. Okay, hold on. He functioned from this place in such a way that everything about him uh, was, it was good. He, he had this like beautifully holy reputation. Everything he did was good. And so when I look at the life of Daniel and I look at the life of Daniel in six, I have found that victory, uh, thriving in Babylon, thriving in difficult situations looks like three things. Victory is three things. Ready? Write it down. It's uh, consistent. It's certain and it's continual. I'm going to break this down through the life of Daniel. I'm going to break this down in this chapter that victory is um, uh, consistent, certain, and continual. And so we find Daniel in the first part of this chapter consistently doing what Daniel does. And see, what I love so much about victory, what I love so much about Daniel is that he was consistent. Okay. He was consistently determined. He was consistently faithful. He was consistently, um, even if he was consistently set apart, he was consistently remembering everything about him, put him in a place of consistency. And so he goes on when they're talking smack about him, when they're trying to throw him into situations, bad situations to continue to be everything that he's been, which is consistent. Um, so what they do is they pretty much say, Hey, um, King, um, you should uh, do a decree where no one for 30 days uh, prays to any other gods or whatnot. And um, so the, they're like conspirators and they're fighting with they're fighting with the fact that Daniel's actually doing really, really well. And so they tell the king, hey, dude, you should live forever, yada, yada, yada. We should do an edict where no one can pray to anybody else. Well, they know that the consistent guy is going to consistently continue to pray. Because he's not going to stop serving God now after everything else he's gone through. I mean, he's older now. This is like his third king at this point he's served. Dude is not going to just stop being consistent. And so what happens is they say, okay, no one can pray to any other gods. No one can do anything else. And Daniel, after considering their proposal, oh, here we go, nine. After considering their proposal, King Darius signed the ordinance and made it a law. Even though Daniel was aware the king had signed the ordinance into law, he continued to do what he always did. He would go home, ascend the stairs, go to the upper room uh, with the windows facing towards Jerusalem, get down on his knees. And three times a day, he would pray to the God and praise him. Guys, thriving in the kingdom, thriving in exile seasons, thriving in success in the good, in the back, in the muck, in the mire is tied to your consistency. How consistent are you in the things that matter? Okay, so about, I would have to say almost a year now I've been on this diet tip thing. I gained 80 pounds over the last eight years. I lost it and then I gained it back. Uh, whether uh, I was eating my feelings, I was depressed, I got really sick. Anyways, I gained a lot of weight. So as of right now, I've lost 60 of the 80 pounds. Now, it's not been easy to be consistent in eating well. It hasn't. It's actually really frustrating because I will be the same weight sometimes for weeks on end, even though I'm consistently doing the same thing. I'm not consistent, so I'll gain results. I'm consistent because it builds discipline. 
And the more disciplined I am, the better I am, the better human I am, the better my heart is, the better my lungs are, the better my health is. Eventually, there will be results. But just like Daniel didn't pray every day, hoping to God that he wouldn't get out of uh, ex, he didn't pray every day going, God, get me out of exile. He prayed every day because he loved God. I think some of us stop being consistent in bad seasons, stop being consistent in seasons where everything's rough because we don't see the results we want. And the truth is, God's not about building results in us. He's about building character in us. So my question for you is, what are you being consistent in? When I look at this chapter, when I look at Daniel, before the lion's den even happened, before anything happened, he was consistent. If you want to thrive in Babylon, if you want to thrive in difficult seasons, you have to be consistent. Then it goes on in the story, and Darius is like, you know, he finds out that Daniel's still praying. He's still praying to other gods, okay? And so uh, I'm going to jump into, uh, where are we at? What verse am I at? Uh, 16. Uh, With honor at stake, the king had no choice. He gave the order for Daniel to be captured. And before Daniel was thrown into the pit with the lions, the king spoke to him. Darius said, may your God and the God you've served rescue you. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and a stone was put in place over the opening and shut the mouth of the den. And the king himself sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of the nobles. I'm going to jump down to 20. And as he drew near the den with anguish in his voice, he called out to Daniel, hoping someone, somehow he was still alive. And Daniel, a servant of the living God, uh, has your God, the one who has served so faithfully, uh, been able to rescue you from these hungry hungry lions? Okay, so pretty much the dudes got Daniel in trouble. Uh, Darius, who loves Daniel, has to throw him in a lion's den. He's waiting all night. He finally gets there. He's like, Daniel, please tell me that you are still alive. Please, somebody tell me that the dude who's the most consistent, the most loyal, the most worthy, please tell me he's still alive. And Daniel in 21 says, long live the king. As soon as you shut the mouth of this den, my God sent his heavenly representative to shut the mouths of these hungry lions so they could not hurt me. He has rescued me because I am innocent before him as I am before you. O king, I have done you no harm. The second thing, victory is a certain. I love that Daniel here, he was like, of course, of course he rescued me because I'm innocent before him and I'm innocent before you. There's a certainty that is built in exile seasons. There's a trust, a trust. Like he was certain that God was going to see him through because it's the same God that had seen him through the trek in the wilderness. It was the same God that had seen him through all the dreams. It was the same God that had seen his friends through that, through that statue situation. It was the same God that wrote on the wall. It was the same God that had been giving him revelation in all of exile. It was the same God. And so he was certain that the same God that had walked him through the wilderness was going to be the same God that met him at the lion's den. And so there's um, a level of understanding. The Man, thriving in these difficult seasons takes maturity. And thriving in these difficult seasons, uh, it it takes trust. And I talk a lot about trust um, in the book that I wrote about uh, how wilderness seasons build trust within you. And And I built it from this specific story because there's got to be a level of trust when you're thrown into a lion's den and it's not your fault. There's got to be a level of trust, of trusting God when things are unfair, when things, you know what's unfair? Getting COVID. COVID was unfair because I I was on the other side of the house for seven days. I have no idea how I got it. Anyways, it's not the point. Point is, one of the things that COVID does, this is how you know you have it, is you can't taste and you can't smell. Like my taste and my smell went away. Like I have volcano candles in my home that I can't smell 
because my taste and my smell have gone. So because of that, I don't get hungry. So a lot of my symptoms and a lot of my issues have been dizziness and fatigue because I can't taste or smell anything, so I don't eat. (sighs) Anyways, that's getting fixed in the name of Jesus. But just because I can't taste it, just because I can't smell it, doesn't mean that it's not going to help me. So I have had to make myself eat. I literally have to set alarms on my phone to remind my my body that even though I can't taste it and even though I can't smell it and even though I don't have a yearning for it, I still need it. I still need the sustenance. There is a certainty that I have in whatever time that alarm goes off that if I eat, I know I'm going to feel better. Now, I know that's a weird thing, but you know in the Bible it says taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say possibly taste and see that the Lord is good. No, he's going to be good. Daniel was certain that God was good. Daniel was certain that God was going to come and get him. He was certain that the lion's mouths were going to be shut. Just like I'm certain that if I finally ate a quesadilla, I would finally feel better. Regardless if I can't taste it. Regardless if I can't smell it. Regardless of what my feelings and my, and my senses are telling me, I know what is true. I know that I know that I know if I eat I'll feel better. Some of you, I don't know, can you hear the thunder? This is intenso. Maybe that's the Lord telling me I'm doing a good job. I don't know. I don't know. Thriving is tied to how consistent you are. Thriving is also tied to how well you trust. And um, I know that I know that I know that God is consistent. He's faithful. God will never leave me nor forsake me. Some of you are wondering why you're not thriving because you're not certain in what you know. You question what you know. Like, I don't... I always keep God's resume fresh on my mind. So for example, last year I got super sick, like really sick. I got viral pneumonia for four months and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. I literally thought I was dying for four months. It was the worst. So I've had a lot of fears about getting COVID because I have asthma, because I've had a lot of medical issues in my life. I had a lot of fear about it. And um, when I started to get sick, knowing that my husband had it, I started to be filled with fear. And I remember going into the room and I began to say, God, I'm I'm fearful of this. And I just felt like this overwhelming peace. And God was, it was like God was reminding me he was the God that cured me of cancer. He was the God that healed me when I was a baby. He was the God that healed me of that pneumonia when no one else could figure out what was wrong with me. He's the same God. So he's the same God that cured me then is the same God who has given me the strength to be able to sit in front of this thing today and, and be able to talk about victory knowing that I've been sick for the last two weeks. Like some of us need to take the resume that God, his certainty, his awesomeness, his consistency, and we need to bring it into today. Uh, I forgot, I think it was um, Bill Johnson says that uh, it is our job to take the miracles of yesterday and make them relevant today. And some of you need to literally look at your life and say, it's the same God yesterday, same God today. Daniel's like the same God that survived in the wilderness, same God is going to walk me through this. Like, how, how much do you trust? What do you really know? I know that I know that I know that God is going to be God regardless. So whether I'm sick, whether I'm not sick, whether I'm good, whether I feel bad, whether whatever it is, whether I can taste or whether I can smell, his glory and his awesomeness is consistent. And regardless of what lion's dens I face in life, no matter what you face in life, God is consistently chasing you, loving you, for you, and that's what we need to know. Regardless if we can taste it, regardless if we can smell it, regardless of anything, at the end of the day, God is going to meet you exactly where you are. Because victory is consistent and victory is certain. Okay, the third one. 
So then it goes on. Here we go. We found the guy. He's completely, uh, he's been saved. There's not a scratch on him. And um, 25 says, afterward, King Darius sent a messenger to all the peoples through the world, regardless of their heritage, nationality, or language. May peace and prosperity be yours. I decree that all people everywhere who live under my sovereign rule ought to tremble before the fear of the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be overthrown. His reign will know no end. He saves and rescues those who fear him, performing signs and wonders on heaven and on earth. And for he has rescued the servant Daniel from the power of the lions. And I love this, 28. With his enemies defeated, Daniel continued to thrive through the reign of Darius and into the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Okay, so if a victory is consistent and victory is certain, victory is also continual. Chadi, what does that mean? That means that thriving is a daily success. Thriving is every day. It's like a day, like, you know, where it says, take up your cross in the Bible. Like every day you have to put on, it's like putting on, I'm going to thrive today. I choose today to be full of peace. I choose today to be full of joy. I choose today to not let my day stress me out. This dude was continually thriving. Okay. I love that it says he continued to thrive even to another king, not he continued to thrive when he was no longer in exile, continued to thrive when he was no longer a slave or no longer, uh, in Babylon, like uh, he continued to thrive in the position he was in. Some of us are waiting for our circumstance to change. And God is saying, I need your heart to change. Some of you are waiting for your circumstance to change, and God is like, I need your perspective to change. Like, nothing changed except for God was continuing to bless him exactly where he was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much more to explain that. I feel like that's, it's, your blessing will be continual, but it might not look like the way you want it to look. Thriving, functioning from a place of victory has nothing to do with your circumstance changing and everything to do with your perspective changing and your heart um, being consistent, consistently um, attached to the creator. For example, in 26, he says, for he is the living God. He will endure forever. His kingdom will never be overthrown. His reign will know no end. He saves, he rescues. He rescued the servant David and then uh, Daniel. And then it says, and Daniel continued to thrive. What are you attached to? If you're not thriving, what are you attached to? What in your life can you hear? You Please tell me you hear this thunder because it is very intense. Lord, what are you saying? Okay, what are you attached to? Um, anyone, anyone watch the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary? I'm kind of obsessed with it because I loved that era of basketball. I, I played basketball in high school and um, obsessed with that era of basketball. But I loved how Michael Jordan, when he went to play baseball, the Bulls weren't good anymore. And then he came back and all of a sudden the Bulls were good because they were attached. The truth is it was Michael Jordan that made him really great. He brought out all the good things in them. And as I was watching that, I thought about this verse that at the end of the day, Daniel wasn't uh, consistent and certain and uh, thriving continually because of him. He was all those things because of God. It's because who he was attached to. It's because who he was in covenant with. Who are you in covenant with? Who's the, like, who's the Michael Jordan of your life? You or God? Because at the end of the day, my life and the things that uh, I achieve and the things that are successful, the places of victory that I walk through or, or step into have nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. His favor, his love for me, our covenant relationship, everything I do, I do from that understanding. 
And when you do that from that understanding, nations are changed, kingdoms are changed, cultures are changed. Uh, people that don't believe in God are speaking God's name. And, and, and it, I love this so much because it says that he went on to reign for like another, another king. This dude's, I, I want to say he was in his eighties at this point. So this happened, this huge, big deal, Daniel in the lion's den when he was an old guy, when he was older, you know what I'm saying? I think a lot of us in our 20s and 30s and 40s, we, we want God to do these incredible, amazing things and we're waiting for our life to peak. But this dude's life never peaked. He thrived. It literally says, and then he went, it says he continued to thrive. He didn't continue to peak. He continued to thrive. Stop trying to make your life peak, bro. Just thrive. Just be consistent. Just be certain. Just literally know that God will continually walk you from victory to victory to victory, from valley to mountain, from valley to mountain, from ebb to flow. But you have to be consistent and certain that it's really because you're attached to him. So anyways, if you want to thrive in Babylon, you got to be determined. You got to be faithful. You got to have an even if attitude. You have to function from a place of remembering. You have to live set apart. And you have to know that all your victories are certain and consistent because of who you're continually attached to. And so, yeah, we all need to be functioning from a place of victory. And we can totally do that. But the only way that you can do that is by knowing that you're seriously, this thunder is freaking me out. But I'm going to take it as the Lord really liked this episode, even though I don't know. Anyway, so I survived it with a little COVID. So um, also, I apologize for looking super ratchet in my last video as I didn't know how sick I was. So that's awkward. But anyways, I love you guys. And I want you to function from a place of victory. And you can totally do that. And you do that by understanding who you're attached to. And you're attached to God. He's chose you. He saved you. He rescued you. And uh, he will walk you through to whatever's next. And um, I'm excited to see what's next. Love you, weirdos.